If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. Had to remember the day there just for a second. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and the gold. Wesley Euler with you on a Thursday. Charged up, jacked up as we'll begin to turn the page to those Green Bay Packers. You just got me today. No Arthur Motes this week uh, as Motesy is out. You've already heard earlier in the week. We've got a a special guest lined up for you tomorrow that will co-host with me. So today is the last day that you'll have to bear with Euler all by himself up in here. But we have got plenty to get to. It is time to turn the page to those Packers. We'll do a little stranger stats. We'll hear a little bit uh, what Kenny Pickett had to say about the challenges of this week when he spoke yesterday. All that in front of us here over the next two hours on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. But it's time for a little Three Things Thursday. It's a very simple concept. We take the Steelers and we take their upcoming opponent and we talk about three likes and three dislikes. Three things that they're doing well at the moment. Three areas where they're struggling at the moment. And this is a Steelers show. This is Steeler Nation Radio. So we'll leave our guests for last. And we will start with the Pittsburgh Steelers with the black and gold. Three likes, three dislikes. Let's start with the good here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Number one is the offensive line in the run game. Uh, This is, you know, nothing new here. I'm not breaking any news. But the Steelers, when they played their best last season down the stretch, 7-2 in those final nine games, right? Getting the run game going. Najee Harris, the offensive line, was a huge part of that. Jalen Warren, certainly, as well, too. The success that we've seen the Steelers have... Uh, on offense against the Tennessee Titans in particular. But I think really since the bye week, there's been improvement. It's still not where it needs to be. It's still not a complete 60 minutes. They're still waiting until the fourth quarter in the second half to turn it on too often, right? But uh, three rushing touchdowns by three different guys, Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren out there in L.A. The run game showing life again, albeit a struggling performance from your offense against Jacksonville. The run game... Once again, showing life, 
doing their part, and then particularly against the Titans this past Thursday where you got a strong performance from Naj, strong performance from Jalen, the offense running the ball at five and a half yards per tote on Thursday night. That is how this offense gets going. That is how this team wins games. That is what it was all predicated upon. And we're starting to finally see that come to life. Late, a lot like last season, but better late than never, certainly. And if that run game can take another step forward against the Packers at home on Sunday, that's going to be massive. Again, this is something we all know. The Steelers have completely reworked that offensive line over the last two seasons. Two years ago, they went out and brought in Mason Cole and James Daniels. This past offseason, they signed the highest uh, valued guard in Isaac Sayamalu, the biggest named guard available in free agency in Sayamalu, and they traded up in the first round to go and get Broderick Jones. Offensive line, offensive line. That's been a massive theme. That's been a massive focus of the last two offseasons. They did use before that as well, too, a first-round pick on Najee Harris, Jalen Warren in the fold. They've been working on this run game and this offensive line for a couple years now. It started to show some fruit at the end of last year. You revamped a little bit more. Um, you know, you revamped a little bit more this year. And and now you need that thing to continue to grow, continue to improve, and continue to kick some booty. You got to like the direction of the offensive line. Broderick Jones getting into the fold and showing himself really well. I think Isaac Sayamalu has played much better the last couple weeks and has looked like the guy post-bye week that we all thought we were signing from Philadelphia. It's time for those five to assert themselves. They had a lot of success on Thursday against the Titans. Carry that over this Sunday against the Packers. The offensive line and the run game are certainly something to like through – or at this point, at this juncture for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Second thing is TJ and Alex, right? I mean, again, I'm breaking no news here. This is very simple, but the Steelers just quite simply wouldn't be where they're at without those two and their ability to wreak havoc, their ability to have game-changing splash plays, whether it be a pick six from Alex Highsmith, whether it be uh, Alex forcing a fumble and TJ running that thing into the end zone, whether it be a, a TJ Watt timely sack or forced fumble, whether it be the near pick six that T.J. Watt had to start the second half against L.A. when he ran that thing down to the the five- or six-yard line and set the Steelers' offense up in business to get a touchdown and and turn that game around. I talked about this a little bit yesterday when we were talking about uh, midseason awards, right, and how I think Miles Garrett's going to win it, how I know everyone in the national media wants Miles Garrett to win it, and how you could certainly make an argument for Miles Garrett. He's a fantastic football player. But there ain't anybody in in the entire sport on the defensive side of the football who affects a game like T.J. Watt. And, man, there ain't a better running mate to have as a, and I'm using air quotes here, number two because Alex Highsmith could be a a number one on almost every other team, probably, you know, 20-some teams around the NFL. Uh, What those two provide for this defense and for this team overall are massive. We'll go through some of the numbers. Honestly, if you just it's a it's a it's the same weird dichotomy that we talk about with the Steelers offense it is there with the defense as well too. A lot of the numbers for the Steelers defense in terms of the yardage that they're allowing um and even the points per game that they're allowing are middle of the pack to bottom of the pack. But what they do so well is take the ball away and particularly do so in a timely opportunistic moment that either scores points 
like we've seen multiple times of the defense scoring touchdowns this season or sets the offense up for a layup like we saw to start the second half in L.A. Can't do a list like this and not talk about TJ and Alex. I know it can be a little bit redundant at this point in the season, but it's the truth. Third and final thing, and I'll go in a different direction here than than we've gone in previous weeks, but talking Steelers' likes here, how about Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ? I mean, you you had a, a sizable absence when Minka Fitzpatrick went down against Jacksonville. He is arguably the best safety in the National Football League, and if he ain't number one, he's top three. He's an all-pro, perennial. He's a, he's a bona fide stud who can be that true center fielder for you and, and make plays on the ball and create splash and who is by far the most sure tackler you have in your secondary as well too. Can play up near the line of scrimmage and lead the team in tackles like he's done recently. When he goes out, that's a major loss, but it hasn't been as devastating because of Keanu Neal and DeMonte Casey raising the level of their play. It's been huge, I think, for those two, the rapport, the chemistry, the knowledge they have of each other in their games from the past. Right? They, they both played together in Dallas before they were Steelers. They both played together in Atlanta before they were Steelers. They know each other's games well. Because of that, I think a lot quicker than, than normal, they've been able to get up to speed and complement each other's games well. And yes, Minka Fitzpatrick has been a loss, without a doubt. I'm sure he was sitting there thinking, oh man, if I could have just been out there on Thursday against Will Levis, I would have gotten my hands on a couple of those passes. But DeMonte KZ and Keanu Neal have made sure that it hasn't been a devastating loss for the Steelers. They've done their part. They've played well, and they deserve some credit. And they are my third and final like for the Steelers as we head into this weekend's contest against the Green Bay Packers. So three Steelers likes, the offensive line of the run game, TJ and Alex, and Neal and KZ for this week as we uh, as we get you ready for Green Bay. All right, other side of the ball. Let's talk about it a little bit here you know what, let's let's stay with maybe the, the Minka thing a, a little bit there as well, too. Um, injuries, just particularly on the defensive side of the football to Minka Fitzpatrick and Cole Holcomb. The Steelers have done a good job this year of navigating some challenging injuries. Offensive side of the ball, they lost Deontay Johnson for, for a handful of games to start the season, and we all have seen over the last couple weeks how important he is to this offense. Pat Fryermuth has been unavailable. You've been a little banged up at times on the offensive line as well, too. Defensive side of the football, you missed Cam Hayward for a handful of games to start the season. And now you're without Minka Fitzpatrick. And honestly, Cole Holcomb, while this is going to sound weird because Cole Holcomb is not the same player that Minka Fitzpatrick is in terms of the, you know, the pantheon of his position. Minka is, again, the best or one of the three best safeties in the entire world. I don't think anybody's putting that designation on Cole Holcomb, but man, what he meant to this defense was massive. It allowed you to play a Landon Roberts to his strengths to be that downhill thumper. It allowed you to use Quan Alexander. Remember the analogy I made the other day? It's kind of like a basketball analogy. Your sixth man, your ace off the bench, who you can bring in at the right time and can just be be a matchup nightmare for 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 opposition. Now all of a sudden. You're you're not thin at the interior linebacker position, but you don't have that luxury anymore. You're gonna have to play Quan Alexander more snaps, and you know hope that that he holds up and stays healthy in the process. You have been able to again, I think, navigate the the absence of Minka Fitzpatrick realistically about as well as any of us would have thought. But at what point 
do the injuries, I don't want to say become insurmountable, but become difficult to surmount. <laughs> I mean, it's been Cam, it's been Minka, now it's Cole Holcomb. You know, and, and there's been some other guys banged up in the course there as well, too, right? But those are just the guys in terms of significant lengthy absences. I don't like where the Steelers are at from an injury standpoint on defense. It's one thing, okay, we're down Cam Hayward for a couple weeks and we'll make up for it. It's one thing, okay, we're down Mega Fitzpatrick for a couple weeks and we'll make up for it. But now you've lost the most significant, you're without the most significant member of your defensive backs and you're without the most significant off-ball linebacker that you have as well, too. I don't love that combination. I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I don't think they're going to suddenly fall apart. It's just something that I don't like as we sit here and get ready for the Green Bay Packers coming to town in three days. Injuries adding up for this defense now at a couple different key areas as well, too. Let's stick with the defense. Uh, this this number is jarring. And again, it's, it's that weird juxtaposition. It's that weird Jekyll and Hyde that it seems like you can have in so many areas of this team. But do you guys know right now the Steelers' defense is giving up 377 yards per game on average. That's the second worst in the NFL. They have been able to survive that because of what they do so well, which is, again, rise to the occasion in the opportune moments, forcing turnovers, being good on possession downs. But could there become a moment where they're too reliant on that and it starts to work in the opposite direction? That's what I'm worried about. Remember, I had this conversation, I was laughing with Moats last week, of like why, it's 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 amazing that the game plans for other offenses when they play the Steelers aren't just, hey, let's be conservative, let's not turn the ball over, because the only way these guys are going to beat us is when their defense forces two or three turnovers and sets their offense up in opportune situations. Right? Remember I was talking about Jacksonville, how do you throw that interception in the end zone, and how do you turn the ball over twice in the red zone, and yeah, credit belongs to the Steelers' defense because that's what they do. They're opportunistic. But what happens eventually when those opportunities don't present themselves? Or what happens eventually when you can't capitalize upon those? The Steelers have done a great job of forcing takeaways. We'll get into some stranger stats at 1 o'clock, and, and we'll lay that all out. But what happens if that, if that levy doesn't break? What happens if that dam dries up and you can't get those timely turnovers? You can't get that timely splash from your defense. Then all of a sudden, you're, you're hemorrhaging yards, you're not getting the turnovers, and you're really kind of up creek without a paddle. I mean, they are surrendering the second most yards per game in the entire National Football League. There's, there's what's the thing that, that Wolf, Wolf always says about, about statistics, right? There's, there's lies, there's dang lies, and then there's statistics. I mean, again, the Steelers' defense has done a good job of rising to the occasion despite this, but they got to cut. You cannot be giving up nearly 400 yards of offense per game. Eventually, that will bite you in the butt in this league where there's so many good teams and everything's on tape and everybody's, you know, got all the, the different analytics and analysis and angles and breakdowns in the world. Eventually, someone's going to find a way to exploit that. They're going to take care of the football. They're, they're going to make you just stop them and get them off the field. And, and, and if that's the case, man, you better you better be ready to get them off the field and not surrender nearly 400 yards per game. Second worst in the league. And you look at the teams that are around the Steelers in that category, and it's a lot of bad. It's a lot of Giants. It's a lot of Saints and Falcons and, and teams that aren't going to be anywhere near 
sniffing a playoff spot. It's great that you have the splash, but you can't, you just can't hemorrhage that many yards. Second worst in the league, 377 per game for the defense. That's a dislike. And then my final dislike for the Steelers, same church, different pew, other side of the equation. The offense, 16.6 points per game scored. That's fourth lowest in the league. And once again, you look at the teams that are around you in that category, and it's a lot of teams who are going to be vying for top picks in the NFL draft and not playoff position, you know, come December and January. Once again, same church, different pew. Conversation with the defense and the yards per game. It hasn't bitten you in the butt yet. It hasn't cost you yet. And maybe it won't until it does. 16.6 points per game. Listen, Moats and I have had the conversation many times, right? It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't need to be sexy. You don't have to score 30 points every game to win. But you do You do need to score more than 16.6, the fourth lowest in the league, over the second half of the season, I think, if you want to get where you're trying to go. There's statistical outliers, without a doubt, right? We, we say this all the time. You can find any statistic to support your narrative. But I don't think it's a narrative. I don't think it's an outlier to be concerned that the offense is scoring the fourth lowest points per game in the league and the defense is allowing the second most yards per game in the league. It's the law of averages, right? Eventually, it's going to cost you. It hasn't yet. You're 5-3. and three. You're in a great spot. You really like, at least I do, the schedule that is in front of you. But those things you have to clean up because they will bite you in the butt at some point. Make no mistake about that. There's still what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 games left in the season. If you're only going to score 16.5 points and you're going to give up nearly 400 yards per game, I don't think it takes a genius to know that that's going to bite you in the butt, that that's going to catch up with you at some point. You've been fortunate enough to be able to navigate it now and win much, you know, five and three, winning more than you're losing. But you got to start get those things moving in the right direction if you want to be playing your best football when it matters most. If you want to have the calendar, you know, get into December and you're, you're in control of your own playoff destiny and you're not chasing it like you were last season. All these things add up. All these things matter. And those are the the dislikes for me at this point that I would like to see the Steelers get moving in, in the right direction against an opponent that I think they can in the Green Bay Packers at home on Sunday. At Wesley Euler on Twitter, you know that's where you get at me if you want to get involved. When we come back on the other side, we'll look at the Packers. Three things that I think they're doing well right now that we need to keep an eye on, that we need to be maybe concerned about. Three areas where they're struggling, where the Steelers can maybe make some hay against the Cheeseheads on Sunday. We'll do that on the other side. I'm Wesley Euler. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
Three things Thursday here rolling along. Keep those tweets rolling in as well, too. At Wesley Euler is where you get involved. Give me your three likes, your three dislikes, Steelers, Packers, wherever. You can also give me your random questions, too. Uh, Life-related, food-related, pop culture-related. Listen, I'll take it all. I'm here solo, all right? There's no rules! Well, there's one rule, all right? Make the tweets show appropriate, okay? We could we could toe the line on that PG-13 sometimes, but nothing R-rated here on the program, all right? At Wesley Euler, you know where to get at me if you want to get involved. We do have some tweets uh, rolling in. We'll get to those to close out the hour, as we always do. But now it's time for Packers. Three likes and three dislikes. Number one for me for the Packers, in terms of a like, is Jair Alexander. Uh, I know he struggled a little bit this season. He's been banged up. He hasn't been healthy. Um, He played all right last week, got his hand on a pass that was intercepted. Um, You know, Cooper Cup had some decent stats against him, but I thought in in terms of, you know, returning from injury and being banged up, he's played pretty well. He is one of the best, if not the best, defensive backs, uh, cornerbacks in all of football when he is healthy. Now, again, he's been a little banged up. Uh, It was a back injury earlier in the season. That cleared up for him. He played against the Rams on Sunday. Like I said, I thought he played pretty well when I was watching some tape this morning. The bad news, at least for him and for the Packers, is that yesterday he was listed on the training on the uh, injury report with a shoulder injury and did not practice, and he had a significant shoulder injury two years ago that caused him to miss a lot of games. So it sounds like I was reading some reports from, you know, the, the in-the-nose Uh, in Green Bay, and it sounds like they think it's just a maintenance thing for him. He's just a little banged up, and they're putting it on the injury report, and they're giving him an extra day off because he's a veteran and doesn't need all the reps at this point. But I like Jair Alexander a lot from a Green Bay standpoint. He allows them to to do a lot with their defense in terms of telling him, okay, you got that guy, go shut him down, and then we're going to you know, play 10 on 10 and handle everything else from there. One of the most talented defensive backs in the National Football League, you know, like I said, in his return last week, got a hand on a ball to deflect a pass that ended up being intercepted by one of his teammates. He's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. He's dang good. I wish Motsi were here to to talk about Jair Alexander because I know he's a big fan as well, too. Albeit coming off a back injury this season, now listed with a new shoulder injury. I think it's it's pretty clear that he's not 100%, but even if he's close, he's still a problem out there. And he's one thing that I like about what the Packers have going for him. Number two, let's go same church, different pew. Man, I've used that line a few times already in this first hour of the show. Aaron Jones on offense, the talented running back for the Packers. Huge part of the success that they had, you know, for those years of going to all those NFC championship games and division titles under Aaron Rodgers or with Aaron Rodgers, I should say. He's been banged up this year as well, too. He missed a handful of games. He hasn't played a ton, but he was back. And as him as his full self uh, against the Raiders, or pardon me, against the Rams this past Sunday, uh, he had 24 touches, 20 carries, over 70 yards, a touchdown on the ground, uh, four receptions out of the backfield as well. Too, he's talented, he's versatile in that regard. I think, you know, when you stack up his running ability and his out-of-the-backfield catching ability, he's one of the best kind of dual-threat running backs in the league in that regard. Not quite as as explosive as he was a few years ago, but still very talented. Can still make you pay like he did the Rams on Sunday. And I don't think it's a coincidence that with Aaron Jones back and healthy and playing his best game of the season on Sunday, we also saw Jordan Love play his best game of his career and of his season 
on Sunday, too. The the Packers quarterback, right, who has been sitting there waiting a long time behind Aaron Rodgers but is now getting to start being the guy for the first time in his career. When Aaron Jones is running the ball and making plays like that, it took a lot of pressure off of Jordan Love. Um, and again, he played his best game because of it. He completed 77% of his passes on this past Sunday, did Jordan Love, threw a touchdown as well, too. No interceptions, no turnovers. With Aaron Jones going, that takes a lot of pressure off of Jordan Love. That means a lot for their offense. And if Aaron Jones is going like he's going on Sunday, that's a problem for anybody in the National Football League. Like I said, great, versatile running back who I think a lot of people had forgotten. You know, Aaron Rodgers is gone now. The Packers' offense hasn't been as sexy. They've been losing games, right? They were on a four-game losing streak until they got that moving in the right direction this past week. And they might have wrote Aaron Jones off, but he ain't right back, though, and uh, was looking like his old self on Sunday. And from a Packers standpoint, that's something to like. And from a Steelers standpoint, that's something you better be ready for and limit that guy and force Jordan Love to to be the one to to beat you and to stir that drink for the Packers offense. 77 completion percentage for for uh, for Jordan Love with a touchdown pass and no turnovers when Aaron Jones was going like that. Not a coincidence. And then the third and final thing about the Green Bay Packers from a like standpoint is their scoring defense. Their defense isn't perfect. Their defense has been banged up uh, this season is, and, and lately as well, too. But they're giving up less than 20 points per game. That's top 10 in the NFL. That's better than the Steelers on defense. Now, the Steelers aren't far off. Uh, the Packers have the 10th best scoring defense in the NFL. The Steelers have the 12th or the 14th or so, right, right there on their heels. So it's not incredibly far off. But the Steelers are not a top 10 scoring defense. The Packers are. The Steelers are not holding their opponents to less than 20 points per game. The Packers are. They're not forcing the splash in the in the tangible impact, certainly, like the Steelers' defense has with particularly TJ Watt and, and Alex Highsmith. But they're holding their opponents to less they're holding their opponents to less than 20 points per game. Again, 10th best, top 10 in the NFL at this time. And and that's something that is, you know, is going to give you a chance to win some football games. They're feeling a little bit better. Yeah, they had they started out two and one. Right, and then they lost four straight, and then they got back in the win column. All of a sudden, if they're thinking, "Hey, if we go and win on Sunday, we're we're just a game away from 500, and we can be right back in the in the wild card hunt in the playoff push." A big part of that is because of that defense. Again, giving up less than 20 points per game, that is good for 10th best, top 10 in the National Football League, and a few spots ahead of the Steelers' defense that we talk so much about. Had to point that one out, and that's something from a Packers perspective that they're doing well. Their defense is playing well enough. They're limiting offenses enough. That you're giving up less than 20 points per game. You got a chance to win pretty much every game. And uh, you know, Green Bay, like I said, I think they finally, you know, it was it was a uh, a litany of problems in that four game losing streak. the The snowball was rolling downhill, and they just couldn't stop that negative momentum for a little while. But they got that moving in the right direction with a a decisive 17 point victory against the Rams, holding the Rams, albeit without Matthew Stafford, but to just three points uh, up at Lambeau this past Sunday. Again, the reason that they've been able to at least maintain here at, at three and five and, and not go completely into the tank, I think, is because of that defense. And if their defense can keep that up and they get the performance from 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 Aaron Jones and Jordan Love like they did last week, 
maybe the Packers could be on to something in the back half of the season. It's up to the Steelers to not allow them to to build any momentum coming off that performance last week. So my three likes from the Packers' standpoint is Jair Alexander and what he allows them to do and what he means to that defense and that secondary. Again, albeit with some injuries that he's dealt with and now dealing with, who knows how close he is to 100%, but he's still a threat regardless. Number two, Aaron Jones. Right, He seems like he's shaken off some of that early season injury issues. 24 touches last uh, weekend, 20 on the ground, four in the air, over 70 yards rushing. The touchdown on the ground as well, too. Taking the pressure off of Jordan Love. Jordan Love playing his best game of the season. That's not a coincidence. Aaron Jones, if he's going again, he's a problem that you got to be ready for. That's number two. And then number three is their scoring defense. Less than 20 points per game. That's better than the Steelers. That's good enough for 10th best top 10 in the National Football League. Those are my three Packers likes. Now for the dislikes, the run defense. Okay, I told you how their scoring defense is top 10 in the league. Their run defense is bottom 10 in the league. They're giving up over 120 yards on on the ground per game. Like I said, bottom 10th in the league. And when you combine that with how the Steelers have been running the football, particularly Thursday against the Titans, right, five and a half yards per carry, That could be, I think, a a big area for the Steelers to make some hay. That would be a big concern from the Packers' standpoint. Your run defense has been struggling, and in comes an offense who is predicated upon that, who who wants to run the football, and who has started to have some success over the last couple weeks doing so. That's a key matchup to, to watch on Sunday. That Packers run defense against the Steelers' run game, that's huge for the Steelers to be able to you know, continue that negative trend of of the Packers uh, hemorrhaging a lot of yards on the ground. Bottom 10 in the league. You got to let that shine through on Sunday if you're Pittsburgh. That's number one for the Packers' dislikes. Number two is the offensive line. Their offensive line is not very good, and they're really banged up, right? I mean, we all know David Bakatari was one of the best tackles in football for a period of time. He's older now. He's also on the injured reserve and not playing. He's still their best offensive lineman, not the uh, just – elite, you know, perennial all-pro caliber that he was a few years ago, but he's still their best offensive lineman. He ain't walking through that door. He's on IR. They have three other of their offensive linemen listed as questionable. One of their other tackles and both of their guards are listed as questionable going into this game. They're banged up. Their offensive line is not very good, and they're injured. I And I've been laughing. You know, I... I see this is a little bit of a of a right turn here, but I've seen a lot, you know, in the Steelers offense debate and in the Kenny Pickett debate and in the Matt Canada debate, right, when the, the arguing goes back and forth of it's all Canada's fault. His play calling is terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's in over his head. It's all Kenny Pickett's fault. He can't do anything with Matt Canada. He can't do anything with this offensive line. I've I've seen that on both the Kenny and the Canada side, trying to blame the offensive line for 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 some of the perceived shortcomings of Kenny Pickett, trying to blame the offensive line for, for the Steelers' offensive line for some of the the perceived shortcomings of Matt Canada. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I've seen this a lot that the Steelers have the worst offensive line. Canada's coaching the worst offensive line. Kenny Pickett's playing behind the worst offensive line. Tell me you only watch the Steelers without telling me you only watch the Steelers, because Cousins. The Steelers' offensive line isn't even close to worse than the National Football League. In fact, the line that you're going to see on Sunday for Green Bay is worse than the Steelers. The line that you saw on Thursday for the Tennessee Titans, worse than the Steelers. The line that you saw out in L.A. for the Rams, worse than the Steelers. Houston, worse than the Steelers. Vegas, worse than the Steelers. 
All right, and I ain't saying the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is suddenly the Eagles or the, you know, the Chiefs or one of these what we do perceive to be a, a really good offensive line in football. But it is certainly far from the worst. It is certainly not in the bottom 10. I don't care what the PFF grades say. Watch the stinking games. Watch some of the teams the Steelers have played this season and recently. Vegas way worse. Houston way worse. The Rams worse. Tennessee way worse. Green Bay going to be way worse as well, too. Stop using that as as a perceived excuse for when you're talking about Matt Canada or Kenny Pickett or, or some of the offensive shortcomings. I'm not saying the offensive line for the Steelers is top five in the league, but they ain't nearly as bad as a lot of you like to make it seem either. Green Bay's might be. They're not very good, and they're banged up. Go take advantage. Limit Aaron Jones, put the ball in Jordan Love's hands, and let TJ, let Alex, let Cam go hunt. Packers dislike number two is that offensive line. They're bad. Steelers' worst offensive line in football. I I beg you, watch some other games besides the black and gold. Third and final dislike for the Pittsburgh or for uh, the Green Bay Packers, pardon me, is they've only got three rushing touchdowns from running backs. Now, I do realize I just told you about how Aaron Jones has been banged up. They've been relying a lot on A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones is just a different skill set. But they've only got three rushing touchdowns from their running backs. Now, I say all of that. Yes, I know, the Steelers only have three rushing touchdowns from their running backs as well, too, okay? I I get it. But we're talking about the Packers here. And for a team that is, same conversation as the Steelers, for a team that is working in a quarterback that doesn't have a ton of experience, that they're trying to figure out if he's their guy for the long-term future or not, the, the best benefit that you can have for a, for a young quarterback is a run game, right? Point blank period. The best thing you can give a young quarterback is a run game. And the Steelers have struggled in that regard, although it seems like they're getting things moving in the right direction. The Packers have struggled in that regard, although last week they got that moving in the right direction. But if Green Bay does want to claw back into a wild card hunt in the NFC, if they do want to win and get back close to 500 and all these different things and really have something to play for down the stretch, they got to run the football more effectively. I think Kenny Pickett is ahead of Jordan Love, despite Jordan Love you know, being in the league longer. This is still his first year as a real starter, Kenny Pickett in year number two in that regard. I think Kenny Pickett has better weapons than Jordan Love does. Better wide receivers, certainly. Better tight ends when Pat Fryermuth is healthy. Better offensive line. Running backs, we could argue either way. Because, again, Aaron, Aaron Jones is very talented, although, albeit, you know, being a little bit past his prime probably and, and dealing with some injury stuff. But only three rushing touchdowns for Green Bay. When you've got a, a first-time starter at quarterback in the NFL, that ain't going to cut it. And I'll, I'll give him a little slack because Aaron Jones has been injured this season, and we saw when he was back last week and healthy, went over 70 yards on the ground, had a, running, had a rushing touchdown, all that. But if the Packers, again, want to claw their way back into playing meaningful football in December and really having a chance in an NFC wildcard hunt, they got to run the football more effectively. They need to have more rushing touchdowns than that. So let's run through the whole gambit here again just to recap this thing. Steelers, three likes. The offensive line and run game, TJ and Alex, and what uh, Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ have done in the absence of Minka Fitzpatrick. Dislikes, the defense, giving up 377 yards per game. That's second worst in the league. The offense scoring 16.6 points per game. That's fourth lowest in the league. And the 
injuries starting to mount up, particularly on defense with Cole Holcomb and Minka Fitzpatrick in particular. Packers likes Jair Alexander, albeit he's not 100% healthy either. Aaron Jones looks like he's getting back to 100% health and was a big part in that offense. And Jordan Love looking competent last week. And their scoring defense, which is top 10 in the league, allowing less than 20 points per game. Packers dislikes their run defense. It's bottom 10 in the league. The Steelers have to take advantage of that on Sunday. Their offensive line, which is not only not very good, but is also very banged up right now. Their best offensive lineman in Bakatari is on the IR. Three of their other starters are listed as questionable with injuries heading into this game. And the third and final dislike for the Packers, only three rushing touchdowns on the season from their running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones albeit again with the caveat of Aaron Jones just now seemingly getting healthy. There's a little three things Thursday for you. Three likes, three dislikes for the Steelers and for their upcoming opponent, the Green Bay Packers. What say you? You know where to get at me on Twitter if you want to get involved, at Wesley Euler on X, on Twitter, on the tweets, on whatever we're calling it this week. We'll get to some of your reaction to close out the first hour of the program when we return. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Blitzing here on a Thursday, just Euler, no Motes this week, although we will have a special guest join me for the entire show tomorrow. We'll do our best to honor the spirit of the thing on a Friday tomorrow, right? We'll still do the Here We Go song. I'll step into Professor Motes' shoes, and those are some big shoes to fill. And, uh, and do the five-star Friday matchups for you. Show me the money, all that good stuff that you expect on a Friday. We will have a special guest. We'll catch up with Brian Backo as well, too. We'll have some fun, as, uh, as we always like to do on a Friday. Got to love a Friday show. Love the show every day, but particularly on a Friday where it's a little more laid back, a little more loosey-goosey, a little more electric as we head into uh, our last show before the game weekend, of course, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers, two of the most storied franchises, certainly in football and all of American sports as well, too, uh, at the at the forefront of our attention. I'm fired up for that one. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the sports nerd in me, the sports purist in me, but I love the, you know, the matchups between the the iconic organizations, the Steelers, the Packers, the Cowboys, right? I think those are the... And probably the Niners as well, too, to be fair. Those are probably the big four in the NFL. And then you've got, you know, the teams like the Bears and the Raiders kind of right on their heels. Maybe the Patriots as well, too. But when it's Steelers-Packers, when it's Steelers-Cowboys, when it's Steelers-Niners, you know, I think particularly those NFC teams that that we don't see as often, I love it. There's just something about it, the the history, the pageantry, the uniforms as well, too, which I think are great for all those teams that I just mentioned except for maybe the Bears, but all the other ones I think have great uniforms uh, just for whatever reason, it gets me going. It's like Celtics and Lakers. It's like, you know, Yankees and Red Sox. Um, there's just something about when those big iconic franchises meet that it, it's got some extra juice to it, and that'll certainly be the case, particularly for uh, two teams, I think, that at this point in the season, a, a win would have them feeling really good. A loss would have them scratching their head and, and questioning some things and, and maybe have the fan base doing a little bit of worrying 
as well, too. Going to get to your tweets. Keep those rolling in at Wesley Euler. That's where you get at me to get involved. Uh, Marco tweets and says people need to calm down about Kenny Pickett. 12-8 and eight as a starter, and people want to get rid of him before he's even had two full seasons to grow. Fans are trying to flip quarterbacks like burgers since 2021. That's like, being, that's like the Browns since 1999. I don't want to see us become the Pittsburgh Browns. There's a balance there, right, Marco? And overarching, I think you're right. I don't think anyone should start making sweeping judgments on Kenny Pickett till the end of this season. But I also know that's not the reality of the situation. We are going to dissect every throw, every drive, every quarter, every game. That's just part of the reality of the business of the NFL, of life in the NFL, particularly when you're a quarterback, particularly when you're a young quarterback, particularly when you play for a franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers, particularly when you played college in the same town as the Steelers, particularly when you were a Heisman Trophy pilot, particularly when you're following Ben Roethlisberger, an 18-year Hall of Famer. I mean, there's a lot in there, without a doubt. I'm sure I forgot something while I was regurgitating all those things. There is a balance. I wish we wouldn't do the dissect every single throw like it's the end-all, be-all, but I also know that that's just part of the nature of this business. There is there is a balance there of we should wait till the end of the season to really start making some judgments and then into next season as well, too, about Kenny's long-term future, but we also don't need to handle him with kid gloves because it's the NFL because he's the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, because he was a first-round draft pick, because now he's into the 20s and his starts in the NFL. He's not long in the tooth, but he ain't Jordan Love either. He ain't Will Levis or C.J. Stroud either. He's into the 20s now in terms of his starts. So there's a balance there. I don't want to see us become the Pittsburgh Browns either and change our coaching staffs and change our quarterbacks every single year. I also, though, don't want us to go the opposite direction, which is, you know, Kenny's a great guy. Kenny's got all the intangibles. Kenny's winning games. Kenny went to pit. Kenny's one of us. All those different things can be dangerous too. The real answer is somewhere in the middle. A true, fair, lengthy evaluation. And I think by the end of this season, I think after these next nine games, when Kenny will have, what, 29 starts in his NFL career, that's a fair time to really start looking at the big picture. I do feel for Kenny in the sense of it's a weird balance, isn't it, Marco? Of You can argue a lot of reasons why it was great for him to land in Pittsburgh and where he's at right now. You can argue a lot of reasons why it was difficult for him. You know, the difficult reasons being he comes from Pitt, where he led them to their best season in 40 years, and he was a Heisman Trophy finalist and a first-round draft pick and the first quarterback taken in the draft in his draft class, and that comes with his own expectations. And then you're following an 18-year, two-time Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Famer and Ben Roethlisberger. That's a, that's a lot of expectation. The other side of that is, he lands with an organization that he's familiar with, with a head coach and a, and a staff that he's familiar with, and, and Mike Tomlin, a guy that he was around a lot, and Matt Canada, a guy that he was around a lot. He lands in a stable organization. You know, he, he, he wasn't doing the Sam Darnold or the Zach Wilson thing and landed in chaos in New York. He wasn't doing the Trevor Lawrence thing and being, being paired with Urban Meyer and the entire circus that that was. Goodness gracious. So, so there's, man, again, it's, it's, a, it's a hefty conversation. There's a lot of weight to the Kenny Pickett conversation. I just wish we could all land somewhere in the middle. Not crush him and act like every throw is the end-all be-all, but also not handle him with kid gloves and give him the longest leash in the world. 
The real evaluation is somewhere there in the middle, and I think we should start to get there after nine games. But yes, Marco, I think the one thing me and you and everybody involved can agree on, whether you're the biggest Kenny fan, whether you're the biggest Kenny hater, or whether you're somewhere in between, is that it's going to be nauseating these next nine games, right? Because if he goes out and he lights it up against the Packers, throws for 250 yards and two or three touchdowns on Sunday, it's going to be, see, I told you, Kenny's the franchise. He's got it figured out. If Kenny goes out and doesn't play well against the Packers on Sunday, it's going to be, see, we told you this guy isn't the franchise and he'll never figure it out. Everyone's just ready to run with their narratives. And again, I don't care what side of the fence you're on. That part is always frustrating, without a doubt. More of your tweets in the second hour. Stranger stats in the second hour. We'll hear from Kenny Pickett, speak of the devil, in the second hour. It's all still to come on the Steelers Blitz on SNR. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 